Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright, happy to be with you on this Thursday morning, August 4th. And, well, you know, I'll just say this. I'm glad you're with us, too, because I did not want to get out of bed this morning. I did not sleep well last night because of the rain, and now because of the rain being gentle this morning. Last night it was pounding on our windows and on our roof, and uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't sleep. And then I finally got to sleep, and this morning it was that nice gentle rain, the kind that you just want to stay asleep, you want to stay in bed. But you, you are the reason I am up and out of bed today. And, uh, well, I want to thank you for that because I know it'll be a good day today. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayer. As your children, we implore your intercession with Jesus, your Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today. We are comforted in knowing your heart is ever open to those who ask for your prayer. We trust to your gentle care and intercession those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life and peace with God forever. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, truth be told, I probably would have gotten to sleep earlier and slept through the storms, except last night I stayed up watching an old movie, and uh, I'm not going to tell you which one because it doesn't matter. What I am going to tell you is this. I really appreciated it. It's been a long while since I've watched, you know, a classic movie. Now, this was part of a series that my dad used to watch. He and I were talking about it over the weekend, and he said, you should check it out. So I found one online, and I did. And I didn't know any of the actors. I didn't know any of the story. I don't even know if I watched the first one of the series of 14 or if I watched number 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I don't know where I was. But this is what I appreciated about it. There was no – there was nothing that I wouldn't have shown to my children. You know, everything in it, I would have been fine with them watching. I would have been fine with them watching it. And yet, it was humorous. It was suspenseful. It kept me intrigued because I never knew where they were going with the plot, and I enjoyed where they went with the plot. It was a mystery movie, a crime drama. And I was just so thankful for that. There wasn't any gratuitous anything. And especially in light of the Ten Commandments we've been talking about with Doug Berry for the past two weeks. You know, to watch a movie where they're not trying to sell you impure things or excessive violence or, you know, pick your illicit behavior, right? Most movies today, we have to be so on guard about that. So to watch something that held my attention and was enjoyable and didn't take me to a place that I didn't need to go, wow, that was refreshing. But unfortunately, I did stay up a little bit too late. By the time I finished the movie, the thunderstorms had moved in, and then I couldn't get to sleep, and and thus, here we are. On the show today, we're going to be talking with Father Jason Doak from the Diocese of Jefferson City about a program they have at his parish called Pews and Brews. And I'm I'm always up for a good pew. Uh, I like to pray. 
And I, I don't drink as many brews anymore as, as I once did, but I'm excited to learn about this. We went on the road to go visit with him, and we're happy to bring you that interview. Then later on, Brian Miller is going to be joining us to talk about the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Focus is a term you're going to start hearing a lot more uh, in the St. Louis metro area and really in the region. You know, So whether you're listening in Peoria, Springfield, Cape Girardeau, et cetera, um, you're gonna Jefferson City. You're gonna start hearing focus more and more as we approach their Seek convention. But I don't want to get too far into it because then Brian and I won't have anything to talk about, will we? And then we'll wrap up uh, the day by talking about the ninth commandment, and we'll save number ten for tomorrow. Uh, but we'll be talking about the ninth commandment with Doug Barry today. So that is what is ahead on the show. Um, well, you know, that that's all I'll say about that. That That is what's ahead on the show. we got a lot of good stuff for you today. Now, it is raining as I look out the window, but I'm not going to make you suffer through another Adam Wright weather forecast because, again, all I could tell you is it's raining. How do I know? The window's wet. So let's go to Mike Roberts and see what he has to say on the matter as he is the expert. Today is the memorial of St. John Vianney, priest. Born in France in the late 18th century, he was one of four children, and his parents, Matthew and Marie, were deeply involved in their faith with a great love for the poor. At one point, his grandparents gave aid to St. Benedict Joseph Lebray, patron saint of the homeless. John was not quite five when France was seized by the reign of terror. Though it was illegal and punishable by death, his parents continued to take the family to masses that were held in secret. In 1802, Napoleon Bonaparte reestablished the church and his family was able to openly follow their faith. From a young age, John longed to be a priest, but the journey was very hard and his studies had been disturbed by the French Revolution. Finally, and after many interruptions, he was ordained in 1815. Three years later, he became pastor of a parish in Ars, where he found a community that had grown lukewarm in its faith. He began to fast and do penance in the hope they would return to the church with a newfound love and devotion. John helped establish a home for girls, and he became an outstanding preacher. By the 1820s, his reputation had grown far beyond the borders of his town, and not long after, tens of thousands came to hear him and to receive the sacrament of reconciliation. He was an incredible confessor. During the last 10 years of his life, John Vianney spent up to 18 hours a day hearing confessions, becoming known as the Curé of Ars. At one point, a woman whose husband had taken his own life tried very hard to meet with John because she was so worried about his soul, but the lines were so long she became discouraged and was about to give up. Then Vianney, sensing she was there, cried out, He is saved, and then to make sure she heard him, repeated it. He is saved, he is in purgatory, and you must pray for him. Between the parapet of the bridge and the water, he had time to make an act of contrition. John Vianney also had a great devotion to St. Philomena and had a chapel and shrine erected in her honor. He was acutely aware of his religious calling and once said, if we really understood the priest on earth, we would die, not of fear, but of love. He is the patron saint of priests and died on this day in 1859. St. John Vianney, please pray for us and all the holy souls in purgatory. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. 
Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer for the dead. God, our Father, your power brings us to birth, your providence guides our lives, and by your command we return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence. Their lives change but do not end. I pray and hope for my family, relatives, and friends, and for all the dead known to you alone. In company with Christ, who died and now lives, may they rejoice in your kingdom, where all our tears are wiped away. Unite us together again in one family to sing your praise forever and ever. Amen. We're happy to be on the road today with Roadmap to Heaven to a place we have never been with the show before, and that's Jefferson City, Missouri. And we have lots of friends listening on 88.1 KHJR out in St. Thomas, Jefferson City every day. And I'm happy to be with Father Jason Doak, the pastor of St. Martin Parish here in the Diocese of Jefferson City. Father, it's good to be with you this morning. Good morning. Thank you. So... You know, we could talk about a lot of different things you do. You're a parish priest, you're a pastor, you're a moderator of the Curia, which, you know, that's a whole conversation for another day because I've often wondered how you actually moderate a Curia. But something else has caught my attention. You have two groups that you have started in your parish, Pews and Brews, Praise, Pizza, and Pitchers. And I'm already saying, sign me up. I'll make the drive out here uh, when those groups get together. Tell us a little bit about these groups. Well, they're fairly new. We started them this year, and one of my parishioners came to me, and he wanted to start a young adult group. He's actually a teacher uh, at Helias High School. And uh, he, he, he came to me a couple of times, and we are trying to find a date that worked, and we really had kind of struggled with that. But he was very persistent, which is was good. He, it paid off. And uh, we found a date that worked. And the idea was we wanted to get young adults together because in the area, that's, you know, we have a, quite a large young adult population. And in lots of parishes, sometimes it's hard for young adults to fit in somewhere because if you, if you don't have kids in the school, then it's, you're kind of fallen, or if you haven't had kids in the school, you don't really know your place, and it's kind of hard to fit in sometimes. So we started this young adult group for people in their 20s and 30s. So basically, we get together on a weeknight, and it's a, it's a Monday night, so nothing else is really going on, because a lot of them are, are young professionals. So Mondays is the nothing's going on night, including for myself. So we have a little bit of adoration, confessions, we have mass, and then we all head over to a local brewery and uh, for some fellowship. And what's nice about that is they're not open on Mondays either, except for us. The owner is a graduate of Helias High School and was excited about the program. So we've had, we have a partnership with them as well. So that's really what has really helped make this successful so far. And they don't have a kitchen, so we wind up bringing pizzas or, or something else, and we just kind of hang out for the evening and have some good fellowship. And it's, it's open to other parishes. It's a ministry of St. Martin, but we're not exclusive. We get folks from, especially other teachers in the area, and it's, it's good to see people get together and have that fellowship because, you know, it's, you need that support in your faith. And we, I mean, Jeff City's a fairly Catholic area. But still, it, it helps to see, you know, other people developing their faith with you, especially with young adults. And that gives me an opportunity as well to sit down with people because I'm pretty busy during the day. I've got basically two full-time jobs. And 
so it's an opportunity also to provide ministry and some more one-on-one face-to-face with with your pastor or with you know a priest in general this gives a whole new definition to gift of finest wheat at least if you're drinking half of ice and yeah. that evening so father one of the things that we talk about when we we think of any ministry of the parish or any ministry in the church is what are the fruits that are born of this? So you've mentioned that this is really a great opportunity for young adults specifically to get to know one another, to maybe find their place in the parish. I mean, I've been there myself that when our oldest went into kindergarten, it was like our involvement in the parish changed in a dramatic fashion. And now as we have more kids in the school, I feel like that veteran parent. But what is the fruit this has borne? How have you seen this help the young adults as they come into the life of the parish? Well, like I said, it gives them a place. It gives them a sense of belonging because what we're doing is we're really fostering the next set of leaders in the parish. And it gives them an opportunity to take some sort of, I hate to use the word ownership of the parish, but some sort of investment in their parish and that they belong, they're active members. So we see that happening. We, we're able to see you know, people be involved a little bit more liturgically. You know, it's an opportunity for us to say, hey, have you ever thought about being a lector at Mass? Have you ever thought about you know, being an usher? Have you ever th- thought about helping with PSR? You're all teachers here, or a lot of them. I shouldn't say a lot. There's quite a number. But, you know, having that opportunity to reach out to them and connect with them to let them know, you know, you're, you're a valuable part of the parish, and you have an opportunity for ministry as well. I think back to my time as a parish music director that, you know, I would run into parishioners out in public and I would stumble because I wouldn't know their names, but I would know you go to eight o'clock mass and you sit halfway back on the left side of church. I I knew that. So this is really a great opportunity to put a name with a face and actually get to know the person sitting in the pew. Now, I know in many places, young adults are somewhat transient and that they'll hop from parish to parish based on their schedule and, and what's going on. Why is it important for young adults maybe to plant roots in a parish instead of going from place to place wherever the wind may take them that particular Sunday? Well, if they're not rooted in a parish, you know, sometimes it's difficult to be rooted in your faith because you've got to have some sort of stability. And it's hard for people to really grow sometimes if they're always moving around. You know, sometimes you got to settle down and focus. You know, I know even when I was a young adult, that was the case. I had my parish I went to. And, you know, occasionally, yeah, you're on vacation, you do whatever, but you always have that that spiritual home base, which is your parish. And if you're constantly moving, then you're constantly having to be reintroduced to the programs of the parish. You're constantly having to be reintroduced to new people. You're always the new person. But once you establish the, you know, you start to get those roots set in, it doesn't take long. Then people know, oh, I know who that is. They have a relationship with you. The pastor has a relationship with you. And then you're able to grow in your faith a little bit because you've got these opportunities. People are coming to you and say, oh, I know so-and-so hey, they'd be good at this. Let's get them in uh, as a part of this as well. All right. Well, there you have it. And there's nothing to say that once life changes, say you're single now and you get engaged later and get married, you can stay at your parish or you can find a new parish based on where you plant your roots with your home. That's all possible. And one of the aspects about this group in particular that surprised me a little bit was it's not a singles group. 
because I've had experience when I was much younger, like right out of college, I was a part of a young adult group at a parish, and it really was, I mean, it wasn't intentionally a singles group, but that's what it happened to be. And eventually people got married, they moved on and whatnot, and it was, it was very transient. But what's very encouraging about this group is there's a lot of young families. There's a lot of mom and dad are in their early 30s or late 20s, and they need that support too, to get together and and support each other as Catholic parents. So it's a very interesting dynamic, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see how this continues to, to grow and progress. Well, Father Doak, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us out here on our first visit to Jefferson City. Could we conclude with a prayer for the young adults? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we give you praise and thanks today. You give us the gift of life and that eternal life. We ask that you continue to send your Holy Spirit on all the young adults that are are especially listening today and to continue to foster that life in them and to show them that eternal life. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. We are going to take a break. Stay tuned. A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila O my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. And recently, I forget which show it was, but I casually mentioned at the beginning of the show that I had the opportunity to go out and spend an evening with some focus missionaries. And it was just a delightful time to have great conversation about evangelization and strategies for evangelization and ideas and what works and what doesn't. Well, one of the things I'm very excited about is that Focus is actually going to have their conference here in St. Louis at the beginning of 2023. And I mean, quite literally at the beginning of the year. And we're excited about that. So we thought this would be a good opportunity to start sharing about focus because this is a term you're going to hear quite a bit in the next six months in the region. So I'm happy to be joined today by former focus missionary and current director of evangelization for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, Brian Miller. Brian, it's good to have you back with us. Always good to be in studio, Adam. All right, so let's go right to the core of it. FOCUS is in all things Catholic. I'm sure it's an acronym for something. Absolutely. It's the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. It's a organization that sends missionaries to college campuses. It started in 1999 at my alma mater, Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. And like every ministry, really, it started small, but the Lord has continued to bless it, and it's really grown uh, even beyond, I think, my wildest dreams and expectations of when I was a student and I was involved, and I think there were 26 missionaries on a handful of campuses. And I became a missionary. We had 150 missionaries on about 25 campuses. And then now they have over 1,000 missionaries on hundreds of campuses across the country, and it's, it's really done some tremendous and amazing work. And that's a very important term because when we think of ministry on college campuses, I think often we think of the campus ministry, if it's a Catholic college or university, or quite often Newman centers at our non-Catholic universities. But missionary implies that these are people sent somewhere on a mission. They're not people that are already there. So 
What is the mission of these missionaries? The mission is to seek and save the lost, and they do it through empowering student leaders on campus to go out and reach their peers as well. And that's a really big, important part of it. So the missionaries can go out to campus and they can try to meet new people and bring them in to the Newman Center, which offers liturgical life, the sacramental life of the church. And that's really, we know where a lot of the great work happens with the grace of God transforming lives and the Eucharist and confession, all those beautiful things. But most college students, it's not on their radar to show up to Sunday Mass. It's not on their radar to go to confession regularly, even if they do have a fair amount of sins to confess or guilt or shame. They don't always know what to do with it. So the missionaries are out there inviting. They're out there welcoming people in and trying to be where the students are, living life among them. And really, no one does that better than the students themselves. So the missionaries take, oftentimes, they'll start with students who are leaders at the Newman Center, students who are strong in their faith. Really, they mentor them. They walk with them. They do that accompaniment and train them to be missionaries themselves, to go out to all the edges of campus, in the student centers, in the dorms, wherever they are, to be convicted about the need for Jesus Christ in people's lives, and to invite them into that life of grace and invite them in to meet Jesus. So not to supplant the campus ministry or compete no, it, with it, but really to bring people to absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, it works side by side with the campus ministry is when it works absolutely best. When you've got a chaplain and a focus team and the campus ministers who are all lockstep about what our goals are on campus as far as reaching students, and you understand that, you know, it's like St. Paul talks about the the body needs many different parts and you know eyes and ears and hands and feet and focus is one element of that important strategy on a college campus. So when we talk about mission work on college campuses and you just use the word strategy that's where I was going to mm-hmm. go next. It's like a bad word the, for some people. I would imagine it's not effective just to go out to the quad and be like hey everybody you want to come to church you want to go to confession hey, we got confession over here. What's the strategy? What's the game plan? Sure. I would say that the easiest way to sum up the strategy would be to quote St. Paul. He says, being so affectionately desirous of you, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our very selves. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And I think that really sums it up. A lot of times when we think about evangelization, we think about sharing the gospel. We think about people on a street corner with a sign, you know, whether it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world, or maybe sometimes a sign says, you know, repent and believe you're all going to hell, or whatever it might be at your favorite sporting event. We think of that only of that proclamation, right? Or the door-to-door programs where we're knocking and inviting people and all those things. But what St. Paul really challenged us to is to share life and to share the gospel of God. And oftentimes in our Catholic worldview, we're actually really good at sharing life in terms of parishes, and we have a lot of social events, a lot of things, but we don't actually explicitly share the gospel. So what Focus seeks to do, and what St. Paul really invites us to do, is to have people who, who are experts in humanity, who are good at sharing life, who dive into the things that college students love to do. So I remember when I was a freshman in college, the focus missionaries on campus invited me to be on their flag football team. Now, I was obviously a very strapping, athletic freshman who was going to help bring them to the championship of flag football. Or they saw someone who was enthusiastic, wanted to get involved, and they saw someone who maybe had a little bit of potential that they could mentor into a future leader on campus. So it was by doing those simple things that I already wanted to be doing that I could do with older guys who wanted to mentor me and take me under their wing, where I learned what it looked like to live a life of holiness in day-to-day life on campus, 
And then there were some really specific teaching moments too. So I saw the model of what they were doing, but also they took time to make corrections, to challenge me to excellence, to challenge me to live the life that was going to help me become the man that God has called me to be. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most of our listeners are probably not going to a college campus today to do some mission sure. work, but they do have opportunities throughout the day for evangelization. So I want to end with this question. What is one thing you learned about evangelization from your time with Focus that our listeners could apply just in their day-to-day lives out in the secular world, in their offices or workplaces, et cetera? I would say it's this. It's that our job is to plant the seeds, and it's God's job to reap the harvest. And you never know when the time and energy and the seeds you've planted are going to be reaped by someone else doing ministry work. And you never know what's going to work in the lives of the students. I remember I was at a a young adult happy hour a couple years ago, and I ran into a guy who was in one of my Bible studies when I was a missionary down at WashU. He said, oh my gosh, Brian, I can't believe I'm seeing you. This is so amazing. I wouldn't even be Catholic if it wasn't for your Bible study. And I turned around and said... You never came to Bible study. You know, we had Bible study every week. This guy came once a month, maybe once every two months. But we kept him close to the church. We kept him connected, and we challenged him. And after I left campus, he probably got more involved in the Newman Center. He got more involved in the church. And the seeds that were planted, I was so frustrated with this kid all the time, but the seeds that were planted, he still practices, and he's still faithful, and he still connects the, the little things that we did with the reason he's Catholic. So I think that to not doubt that your work is good work, to not doubt that you're making a difference, and to really trust to God, to trust him in prayer to bear the fruit. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. I look forward to having many current and former Focus missionaries with us over the coming months, if that's able to work out, to talk about evangelization, because it's something we all could be a little bit better at, no matter where we're at in our skill of evangelization. For more information on Focus, where can our listeners go? You can go to seek.focus.org. It'll tell them about the conference in January, January 2nd through 6th. There's also a track for parishioners, the Lifelong Mission Track, Making Missionary Disciples, where you can learn how to apply the same concepts that the missionaries use on college campuses in our day-to-day lives in, in the parish. All right. Brian Miller, so good to have you with us again, friends. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this break. Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored your help and sought your intercession were left unaided. Full of confidence in your power, I fly unto you and beg your protection. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble supplication. But in your bounty, hear and answer me. Amen. We are talking about the Ten Commandments again this week with Doug Barry. And at the beginning of the week, we started with a commandment that we said would relate with this one, the Ninth Commandment, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. And Doug, before we jump in here, i got to say with these two commandments, I love the word covet. It's one of those ones that's fallen out of common use, and yet today we get to bring it up. So let's dive into this commandment, what we need to know. When it comes to the ninth commandment, you should not covet your neighbor's wife. Let's understand it also applies to anybody, not just women. Okay. So let's make that clear that when that commandment is given, it's basically saying you shall not lust after or think in a way that's impure or disordered about another individual. Understand that lust in the catechism, a definition of lust is disordered desire. Okay. Disordered desire. So that implies very strongly that we have to understand the order of desire. We have to understand that it's not wrong to desire, that there's an order to it. There's a right and a wrong place, time, person, you name it. 
it's not wrong, for example, and we'll talk about this tomorrow on coveting your neighbor's goods, but it's not wrong to desire something. It's not wrong to have a desire for an individual if it is an ordered, appropriate, holy desire. It's not wrong to desire to be married. It's not wrong to desire when you see an attractive individual, you know, maybe this man thinks this woman is very attractive and he desires to get to know her. There's no disorder to that. Now, if he's desiring to have sexual relations with her right away, okay, that's wrong. That's crossing the line. It's a disordered desire. It's out of the realm of what's appropriate. There's something about understanding that when we desire something appropriately, we actually can raise the dignity of both ourselves and the other person or thing. In this case, a person, because we're talking about the ninth commandment. To desire somebody appropriately, to recognize, to desire, to get to know someone appropriately, to desire a good relationship, a good friendship, just means that I understand something about the dignity of the person. To desire them in a disordered way, rather, that is something that lowers the dignity of both them and ourselves. It brings us to a more base level, more, I don't want to use the word necessarily animalistic, but it can get there. So when you fall into things like pornographic material that's out there, desiring that is a disordered desire because it's outside the realm of God's design. It treats the person as an object. We are not objects to be desired disorderly. We are gifts from God. We are children of God. We must see everybody as a child of God. When we fall into breaking that ninth commandment to disorderly desire someone, we are becoming objectifying. We are objectifying, making you a thing, and we're not things. We also have to understand this is very simple. God wants us to be a great gift to other people. St. John Paul II talked about that a lot. Make a gift of yourself to others. We do that by elevating and raising the dignity of both ourselves and others. So the ninth commandment, speaking about the way we desire, make it appropriate. And I'll say one last thing about that. There's much in the ninth commandment, obviously, as we've said before, over a hundred pages in the catechism written on the 10 commandments, read them, everyone. It is the law of God, is the covenant God made with his people. These are the lines on the road that keep us from driving into the ditch in the middle of a snowstorm, a rainstorm, or a foggy night. And life is foggy. And we get the storms. We need those reflective painted lines on the road to keep us on the curves and the turns on the right path. That's what the commandments can do. And they are about not just things we can't do in the eyes of God. They're things that give us life. As you've mentioned, Adam, several times in these couple of weeks, the commandments bring a true freedom to living in a way that actually brings life on so many levels. But remember under the ninth commandment, even modesty Modesty of thought, word, conversation, clothing, all of these pieces protect chastity. Modesty is essential for chastity. Chastity is essential for salvation. And chastity is a key element of the ninth commandment. You know, it's it's a both and there, and so many times I hear this wrong, that, well, you have a responsibility to be modest so that you don't distract me into looking at you. And, well, yes, that's true, but also I have a responsibility not to look at you with wandering eyes and lustful thoughts. And we all have to take that responsibility upon ourselves because, as we said the other day, It'd be better to have a millstone around our neck and be flung into the sea than to right. lead someone into sin and into spiritual depth. Not depth. It's good to lead them into depth, but death, D-E-A-T-H, right. that's bad. There's a saint, and I forget who it was, that said, if you and I could see the dignity, the image of God that's in each of us, it is there. We're creating an image and likeness of God. If we could see it, we'd be tempted to bow down and worship each other because it is so prominent, so amazing, so connected to God himself because it is the image of God in us. And you're right. I can guard my eyes better if I 
pray and by God's grace work on the order of understanding that there's an image of God in the other person. It helps train up the mind. I'm big on the idea of train, train and prepare, body, mind, soul. Train your mind to understand the dignity of the other individual. Everybody has that dignity, whether it's the homeless person or that model that you see on the screen, the dignity of God in each and every one. And when you strip everything down, and I mean everything, to the old age of the 90-year-old sitting there in the chair, the dignity of God is still there. And if we train that in our hearts, our minds, and our souls, we deal with these problems so much better because God is helping to order things appropriately. It all helps us love God and love our neighbor better. Doug, great words for us today. I look forward to wrapping this up with you tomorrow. Thanks, Adam. Me too. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. It's a good time to stop on this Thursday for our daily dose of encouragement. This week we are tackling the difficult theme of unforgiveness and here with some more gold for us is Patty Schneier. Well, sometimes we hear a phrase, a pithy phrase or a short phrase, and it sticks with us. And I want to share today something that I heard somewhere. I don't know where. I wish I could give the person credit. But it's a phrase that I've gone back to over and over as an anchor in my life, especially in dealing with this topic of forgiveness or unforgiveness. Here it is. Love doesn't stop at disappointment. Let me say that again. Love doesn't stop at disappointment. And this is a true statement. Every person on the planet is going to disappoint you at some point or disappoint me. It could be your best friend. It could be your sister, your brother, your spouse, your adult children, your small children, your teenagers. They're going to do things that either they misunderstand you and it's hurtful or they do things that are very disappointing. This phrase kind of stops us in our tracks. Love doesn't stop at disappointment. Say this to your kids. Say this to the person that you want to forgive. You're saying that I do want to be in relationship with you. Yes, there are going to be times that you disappoint me at some point, but I want you to know that my love for you is greater than any disappointment. I will always want to be in relationship with you no matter what. So I think this could be very helpful and healing in family life, if parents say this to their children when they've blown it, you know, yes, you have disappointed me, but love doesn't stop at disappointment. Or say that even to your brother or your sister that you haven't spoken to in a long time. Yeah, you have disappointed me, but love doesn't stop at disappointment. I still want to be in relationship with you. I think it speaks volumes and it could be something that's helpful and anchor for you to get you on that pathway to forgiveness and healing in relationships. As my 8th grade social studies teacher used to say, write this down, it will be on the test. Love doesn't stop at disappointment. Patty, what a fantastic encouragement for us today. We are wrapping up the week. We are wrapping up the show today. We've got one more show this week for you tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday, and it's a good reminder for us that not only is it Friday, but it is the first Friday of August. And so I want to ask you one more time, before you go to Mass, especially if you're going to Mass tomorrow morning, 
to do your Sacred Heart devotions on the first Friday? Do you need to get to confession because your time is running out? You know, maybe you're going to go somewhere midday today. Maybe you're able to go somewhere this morning uh, after Mass. You know, some parishes have confessions after Mass on weekday mornings. I don't know. The important thing is you need to know because on First Friday we go to Mass, we receive Holy Communion, we pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart, and then on First Saturday we do the same thing, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, pray the rosary and meditate for 15 minutes upon the rosary and the blessed mother asks us to make a good confession on the first saturday and she gives us a little leeway to make it relative to that so we can go to mass and receive holy communion but it's a good reminder for us to go to confession let's pray in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen all glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen our lady queen of peace pray for us St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Doug Berry, Father Jason Doak, and Brian Miller for being with us on the show today. Tomorrow morning, it is Roadmap Roundup Friday. We'll have uh, Gabe Jones and Angela Miller with us, plus some other goodies for you as well. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today. <laughs>